everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Episode 13 of LOI Central. The midterm break is over. Shamrock Rovers went in and wobbly form. Will they resume uh, the form that they were in at the start of the season when we return? And we'll reflect also here on LOI Central on Ireland's performances over the last uh, couple of nights. Uh, but on today's show, we have Shane Dawson, formerly uh, of the LOI Weekly podcast, obviously. He is going to come on and talk about the Save Talca Park campaign, something that really fascinates Dan and I. And I think anyone who's interested in football or has any memories of Talca Park, what is the future of Talca Park, very interesting campaign to save it. Future ticketing has obviously been our response this season. We're going to talk to the main man in future ticketing, that's Liam Holton, just about the resumption of crowds this weekend and how future ticketing can help clubs to sort out who can get in and various ticketing arrangements. As ever, we're on uh, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud, we're on Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, really. Sponsored Bye-bye. by all of that so it's wherever you get your podcasts um and yeah so it's a slightly different show today dan i'd say you're in better form than you were when ireland went one nil down against andorra to be fair things are looking a bit brighter oh jesus yeah we could have done without that this week you know the weather's getting better because i'm an irish football shit show crisis to be honest so um yeah it was a bit, bit of a worry in seven minutes there as much as strange probably as the league of ireland show and i saw a bit of tweets back and forth between shane keegan and andy boyle during the game probably should have known that the game in Andorra could be like that. Yeah. Um, because uh, it, that stadium, that pitch, their ability to foul and, and time waste and stuff, like, you know, a few of the same squad members that were involved with Inter Escaladas or whatever they were called that they played last year. Um, so, like, it was probably always going to be a bit of a pain in the arse of a game. But obviously, where Stephen Kenny is at the moment, he doesn't have credit in the bank to to shrug off end of season friendlies. Like it just feels like every game is really important at the moment. So it was important they won and uh, probably more important that they performed well in front of a crowd in Hungary last night. And uh, as, as we speak, it might be, you know, we're, we're speaking here on Wednesday morning. And um, so, yeah, it's sort of, I mean, I don't think it dramatically changes the debate around where things are going in the sense that I think I still believe that Stephen Kenny just needs some big wins this year just to, to, to get people going with them. But in saying that, like I don't think anyone could watch the game last night and say, well, this is a team that's in absolute crisis here. They need to rip this all up. And, you know, this isn't working. I think it looked more like, yes, this is a work in progress. It's still not anywhere near a work in completion. Um, I still think they're going to find it hard to, like, just to, to have match-winning moments in games, you know? Um, but... I have to say it was more positive and I suppose to bring it back to our to our parish again, like you obviously see Daryl Horgan and Benny and on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they they were they were really nice good. Yeah, like the to be fair, and like Ryan Manning as well, obviously playing Doherty playing like lots of uh, ex League of Ireland players involved, and um, I thought Ogbeni and Horgan were absolutely excellent. Like created two really good chances at the end, and like you know it is positive for the League of Ireland that you know, these players are coming through, but they're actually, even though they, they mightn't be necessarily playing at a high level in England, they, they really, like Horgan was excellent in, in, Horgan's been excellent full stop for Kenny. This was, Horgan's probably such a big part of Stephen Kenny's life. If you think about it, like, I mean, he was involved in so many big moments, you know, like in terms of assists and, and goals and stuff, like, he tended to, to get involved. And I think, yeah, I think sometimes, like, people obsess so much over where players are playing and actually, sometimes it's a case of, well, in the in the fabric of your squad, um, like is you know, for example, Ogbeni 
offers pace that others don't offer. So should he then, because he doesn't have pace, like, sh- well, should a Premier League player get on ahead of him, even if they have a different skill set, exactly, yeah. you know, and, and they're playing a bit out of position, you know, or do you just go for your quickest player? And similarly with Horgan, I think that they don't have, he just seems to have a knack of getting into positions and making things happen. And yes, you may have other players, other midfielders who will be available in September, who maybe are, are capable of playing at a higher level because maybe, I don't know, they, athletically or physically, they might be suited to the particular team they play in and they can they know that style and structure and they can play a lot of games at that level. Um, you know, I'm thinking of players like Hendrick and people like that. But, but sometimes we have a lot of the same type of players and actually Horgan is one who just gets into positions and creates chances. And maybe for Stephen Kenny to find his way in the team, he find his way in the job, he just... He needs to, sometimes I almost think like, I don't know, I almost feel like he's got too many options in his head at times and he's mm. always someone that's worked better off like a tighter squad. And you would hope maybe after 10 days away, there's a bit more of an identity there. But that is obviously one of the things about international football you can't control, like for reasons that you can't even, you know, that you can't prepare for. You could have eight or nine different phases in the next squad because there's five injuries, four back, whatever. So the, the, the concept of continuity is 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 sort of hard to maintain, really. Um, the one time you probably ma- can maintain it is that September, October, November window when you have loads of games. Like, there's, there's, there's small enough breaks. And obviously, it was dominated by COVID last year. I would hope it wouldn't be the case this year. But, yeah, listen, it was it was, it was was fine, you know. Um, like, I mean, it, there comes a stage where, like, fine needs to be just getting away from crisis point, you know. Um, and I, I don't think he still has the feet under the table completely. But... Um, you would hope you might look back to that game as a sort of a building block uh, towards something. And as you say, I mean, listen, like, yeah, from our perspective, we remember Rob Benny coming on in the cup final at the Aviva a number of years back. You know, Daryl Horgan would have been on the pitch at the same time. Um, Sean Maguire would as well, although he's, um, um, you know, Kenny doesn't seem to be a big Maguire fan. Um, and, you know, you have a situation there where, yeah, we are seeing lots of players who, like, there, there could be players in the league at the moment and it's five years time that we see them playing mm. senior international football for Ireland I think I think that the, the recent history suggests that would be the case obviously had a few players with 21s during the break too Ross Tierney basically played for oh, five minutes what a, what a kid he is like I, I have to say he's one of my favourite players in the league if if I were a League of Ireland manager he's one of the first players I'd sign because he's such a pest when you're an opposition defender but he scores and creates goals and I was absolutely delighted I kind of only watched the first half of Dan and they were well under the cosh then I had to do something else and uh, delighted to see he scored and obviously ironically he was there and Dawson DeVoy wasn't yeah injury yeah look he presses from the front Tierney and he causes problems and I don't know. I was watching the game then on Saturday, hoping he would get on, and he didn't. Um, you know, which is disappointing. Obviously, mm. there, there was LOI representation. Brian Mara playing in goals mm. first couple of games, and Andy Lyons came out, went straight in, and I think Andy Lyons has a great chance. Personally, I think he yeah. has a great chance of having a very good career. Um, and it might take him a while to get to his potential, but you can just see like he looks very, very comfortable. Um, and. Sometimes, like on the ball, he can he, he can make mistakes, um, but like he's a young player, and I just think how he overlaps and, and how he plays, I think 
think he's got a chance of having a really good career, I have to say. Just, but, um, yeah, before yeah. we get to Shane Dawson, well, just the, the issue of, um, you wrote an article on the kind of the mixed race kids coming through. There's an article in the Irish Times about it as well. Really, really interesting stuff. And actually, like, I read stuff that I hadn't really thought about myself. Then obviously you had the, the Hungarian fans, um, at least uh, some of the Hungarian fans booing the knee and all that. But um, it, that Stephen Kenny was really, really strong after the game. It was interesting. I, and he kind of, um, it does feel like a kind of a, this is a, squad of different sort of backgrounds and so forth but they do seem quite together as well yeah well no, I, I did touch on this last week and I'll probably refer to it in my newsletter this week people can, can sign up for the newsletter if I can plug that and um, you just have to stick in your email address and uh, you get a registration link but I did I, mean, I did a piece last week about sort of the how basically how the diversity in the squad really just reflects the reality of Irish football now and some people would say well it's not a talking point because they're very comfortable and and um you know, just content with it and, and and don't even see it as an issue anymore. And that's the way that it will be eventually, in my opinion. But I still think there's growing pains. Like I would have got some correspondence, one or two emails, which I might mulling over my mind whether to reproduce them or not. But like sort of the invective that you get when you sometimes write a piece about like, you know, African Irish or, you know, people mm. of African heritage in Ireland, some like disgusting stuff you do, you do receive. So it is still significant and it's something that is worth talking about because there are people out there who will resist it. But certainly, I mean, it's anyone who's gone to, anyone who goes to a, a League of Ireland underage game, or in fact, any League of Ireland game now at senior level, you do see that we now have a, a squad that's, you know, representative, you know, squads that are representative of a new Ireland. And Shinozi Ogbeni is Nigerian born, which is obviously significant. But, but in reality, most of these kids now are, are just Irish born and they're as Irish as you yeah. and me, you know, and 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 like that that's 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 the normality of it. And and if you look at the um and I was interested, I spoke to Jared Bryan and Paulo Zam and it's obviously different views around it. Like, and there's a there's a different debate about well, will will these players and their styles like change our DNA? And you have to be very wary of like generalizations. But it's true. As well. know, they're they're quicker and they're stronger, mm. you know, and all this. Like, I mean, it's not strictly not strictly true. It's there's 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 there's, there's, there's plenty of examples to take it either way. But 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 in saying that, like from speaking to Jared Bryan, it was like, well, there there is there are some truths to it, and that there are some for sure with, like exceptional speed at underage level in Ireland yeah. now and I mean you know we can look at the 100 meters final like you know there, there's there's obviously there's obviously something something in that you know and it is like adding a different skill set in certain areas um, to our it's team. interesting and, in, in Galway as well like Francie Lomboto Wilson Moreira Carlton Obazenu Mikey Place um, there are four players so I don't think I'm leaving anyone out there um, I know listen there's loads you can go around the that's league that's Galway like, alone yeah. and, but so, you, like, you just I mean, feel like fans are coming back these are these are players that the fans would absolutely love like, like they're just they're, 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 they're kids with a great attitude they're really popular brilliant around the squad and it's just it's happening so fast in Ireland like I, when yeah I was, but I think I think but I think what we need though as well is that we need that represented in the stadiums too you know in terms of actually supporters because we we can come on here and talk about it but like how many stadiums are representative of that in terms of percentages and and you know, well, there are too uh, many that, white men. I know clubs have made efforts. I know clubs have made efforts to to obviously you know address that, but it is it is something we can talk about. Like you know, you can you can write a positive piece on the change, and you can, but it's also possible to look at things another way and say there's still a lot of work that needs needs to be done. You know, and and I think it will be enriched by those changes, but there will obviously be uh, you know there 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 will be growing pains moments still in terms of some people adjusting to that but it is 
is our reality. Um, yeah, we will get to Shane Dawson in a minute. I suppose we it is we don't have games to review this week, so that's obviously the got to mention Pat Mitchell as well. Games and the underage internationals. Um, Pat Mitchell. Uh, Pat Mitchell. Can, can he get his pizza? We we, we be on to you, Pat. Pizza. Last week, yeah. So we'll be on to that. We, we need to, Pat, Pat needed a game to. He needed a game to watch it uh, during. Uh, Johnny, you, you, I believe you went to like I, I was in Dublin working. But you, you went to Kerry during the break. You actually have gone. You've gone traveling around the country. Mm. You know, you've, you've actually took a mid-season break yourself. You need to get away from the GUFC media duties and, and see the world. You're in some remote island in Kerry or something. Yeah, I was on the. Oh, I was on the Blaskets. So Dingle, the Blaskets, and Clarny, the Blaskets for two days, where uh, the 4G was like much better than it is in Barks at Open. Like, so you know, you could basically work from there. What an amazing spot, Dan. Like, to the Blask Islands, you basically, you go for a swim in the morning, there are 200 seals looking at you who will basically try to scare you off the beach because they own the beach. It's basically a hare colony now with loads of rabbits, birds. It's like a wildlife sanctuary with the odd human thrown in the summer. Unbelievable spot. But then, of course, fan of the show, Vinnie Corey, bumped into him over breakfast yesterday in Dingle and uh, obviously, you know, mentioned how great LOI Central was and all that. The two of you married sisters. So, yeah, it's been a nice, uh, nice break. Yeah, kind of parallel. Dermot Kennedy was in the same B and B as you as well. Like, I mean, Dermot Kennedy and Dermot Looney's sister. Imagine, imagine, walking into a, a a breakfast room if you were a fan of both the podcast and of Dermot Kennedy's music, and you would of think, which there oh, are many. This is this is heaven. Like, you know, mm. this this is like this is like a. This is this was a hot spot, you know. Utopia. Like, it's basically it's like it's the new Dubai. It's, it's the new Dubai. This is where the great and the good of Irish society are going during mm. this mid-season break. It's like it's it's influences such as yourself and and. Well, and I I didn't re- I didn't recognize Jeremy anyway, Kennedy, but apparently on. he didn't recognize me either. So Vinny had to um, point out that <laughs> yeah, I mean, wait, one is a surprise. If he heard Johnny issue. Ward was here, he'd be looking for that bloke from. If he'd heard Johnny Ward was there, he would have been looking for that bloke from Far City. You know, yeah. it would have been absolute confusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the travel circle. blog, right? Anyway, anyway let's, let, let's, get, let's off. get to Shane Dawson. Let's get off of that. It's like old times, Shane Dawson. How are you keeping? I'm very well, Johnny. All things considered, I have my health. Um, but yeah, no, I'm even all the better for uh, chatting to you guys. It is like old times. It's a blast from the past seeing both yourself and, and Dan pop up on my uh, laptop screen. So it's a pleasure to talk to you both as always. Well, how, how have things been? Obviously, the air situation is it's sad. Um, lovely piece by Declan Bogan, the uh, examiner at the weekend, about the story of Satanta and air. I was there myself for many years, and it's really sad to see its demise. But obviously, on a human level, the likes of you, you know, you've got to get on with life. You've got to get on with your career. What's the, what's it been like for you this summer? Yeah, it's been... Uh... It's been a change. It's been a, a sudden kind of shock to the system. But I mean, listen, I think with the whole pandemic and whatnot, there's people that don't even know they've lost their jobs yet. And, and I think air was kind of a, a, a crossover from that in terms of obviously with the hospitality sector closing down and there was a, a large reliance on that. So it's unfortunate. It's sad. It's the end of an era. Um, like I'm there staff four years, but there's people there a lot longer than me. And there's people there from the old school Satanta days who were really taken back and kind of shocked by the um the finality of it i suppose but listen it's uh hopefully we can relight the fire um as i say you know there's there's bigger problems in the world um so it's a case of just kind of knuckle down knocking a few doors i was just going to say i mean but like i want to move on to talk to park now but i mean if i, I wasn't sure we were going to come on to this topic but obviously from our perspective like if we are talking about air sport i mean it is like you know the the idea of this podcast that we are doing johnny came from air sport and from 
from Chris Blake and, and it was born 100%. from that. So obviously, you know, we had a, a fair bit of time around the staff and the people there. So we're, I think we're pretty upset by the whole thing and how it's all panned out. And we're, we're we, we sort of, we give our best wishes to everyone. But yeah, this is, Shane, you were involved in something completely different here that we have you on talking about, which is uh, the Save Talk Apart campaign. I mean, I suppose it's, 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 it's tugging at the heartstrings in some ways too. It's an emotional subject. It's an emotional subject matter. But maybe just explain what this is about because I was walking, I was going for a walk around the north side where I lived last week and uh, there was a telegraph pole uh, around just upper Griffith Avenue direction towards Movi Road uh, with uh, Save Talca Park, you know, stuck on a stuck on a telegraph. So I don't know, was that you personally put that one up or an army of volunteers you have doing it? But this is a campaign that I'm seeing around the place, but I have to be honest, I haven't read too much into it. So, so tell me what this is actually about. I mean, Save Talca Park, I know we get in basically what that means, but in, in practice, what are we talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first off, in terms of the emotional connection, obviously, you know, it's kept me busy with Airsport going away. You mentioned Chris there and Owen Byrne as well, the, the hard work he's done with the podcast, so it has been brilliant. But yeah, the Save Talk Park cam- campaign, firstly, any guerrilla warfare tactics of uh, stickers and lampposts have, have nothing to do with us uh, officially. They're just... Uh, uh, volunteers and, and members and supporters who are off their own bat uh, in that regard. But Save Talca Park, I suppose, in summary, is a coalition of local residents, football fans, sports fans, community activists who are concerned at the possibility of another Dublin institution falling into the hands of private developers and being consigned to history. So what we have done, uh, we've come together uh, collectively and have carried out initial consultation with local residents groups, uh, local football clubs, and we plan to proceed more with detailed engagement uh, with these vital stakeholders. Depending on when you listen to the pod, our our launch is on Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on on Zoom. So our full proposal will be made available on savetalkapark.com as of the 10th of June, Thursday uh, at 7 p.m. when we do launch. So in terms of saving Talca Park, we don't want to just save Talca Park in its current guise, Dan. We want to redevelop and, and refurbish Talca Park and, and imagine what it can do for the whole community. Because at the moment, Talca, Talca Park is underused. It's currently owned by DCC and the current plans are to consign it to history and sell it to, uh, to private developers. And that could bring high rise development or, or whatever else. And yes, there is a need for housing in Ireland, in Dublin particularly as well. But it can't be inadequate. It can't be unaffordable housing. And also the city needs to breed. It needs recreational green space land. Uh, and you look around the area, you mentioned you're going for a walk in the north side. Like I'm from Marino, Drunkondra. I grew up in the area and that area has changed so radically over the past few years and we see rezoning of land up by the, the convent and grace park road st joseph's um school for children with visual impairments there's there's more developments there you look further down towards stella maris iron um the local i suppose area known as the cowfields growing up and i suppose for any any country listeners you know, like this this dub getting there uh, reminiscent of a field with a few cows in it but i found it fantastic that i could walk to a field 30 seconds from my house and play football with a few cows in there. And I could also go into the GPO and Dublin city center uh, within walking distance as well. So there's a lot of green space has been eradicated. And then the Clonliffe College development as well, that's gonna house, I think 1,650 uh, apartments there as well. So we're losing green space around and that's why it's vitally important in order to ensure that there's recreational green space facilities for the current generation and generations uh, in the future to use. And that's why we've come together. And it's a broad spectrum of, of society. Like, I mean, we've music artists, journalists, videographers, uh, 
public servants, architects, activists, activists, bakers, butchers, the lot, you know, so it's a kind of broad spectrum of people. This isn't just a few football fans shouting. Uh, we're a community campaign that will hopefully uh, ensure that, you know, public land remains in public hands. Uh, and that's what we hope is Tolka Park. And through our proposal, we've set that out in terms of what it can be and how beneficial it can be to the community, uh, not just from a, a sporting side of things. Okay. I mean, I, listen, I think that's it's very interesting. I suppose there is a sort of a, s- a small elephant in the room here or not, you know, it's, it's Daily Mount Park, right? I mean, this is the, and I know that your take would be, well, this isn't an anti-Daily Mount Park thing or anything like that. This isn't your stance. However, it is still a real thing like that's hap- you know, that is supposed to happen, this Daily Man Park project that's been going on for a long period of time. Um, and obviously there's a Bose-Shells aspect to that. I'm very much well aware of the unhappiness that a section of the Shells support would feel about that. I understand that from the perspective of identity and, and attachment and belonging in your place. But can you explain to me then, like, how do you see this plan affecting the Daily Man Park plan? Well, basically, I, I think we need to pause and reflect. So the world has changed a lot since the first Daily Mount plan was created. That came from John Delaney's FAI pre-Brexit, pre-pandemic. I mean, the society has changed as a whole. And the current plans for a new build Daily Mount Park, and I think it's very important to, to, to state that with Daily Mount Park, that it's a new build. It's not a redevelopment. I mean, you have four new stands. So in any, anybody's books, four new stands is a new stadium. So already you're going to lose some of the history and, and I suppose special moments in, in Daily Mount Park in that regard. But seeing the costs escalate and now was requiring the, the sale of Talca Park, because when Daily Mount Park was first mooted in, in the current plan, it was 20 million for a 10,000 seater category four of the Delta Park. So that has then changed in, in say four or five years. The capacity has reduced nearly 50% to 6,000. Okay, it's gone down to a category three stadium while the most recently, I suppose, publicized uh, estimated cost is 35.6 million. And that's going to increase even further due to inflation, construction industry, due to COVID-19 global stimulus plans and, and so on and so forth. So we feel an approach of refurbishment of both stadiums rather than a new build on just one side would give a higher financial, uh, social and indeed sporting return if the municipal stadium can be used by a broad spectrum of sports while providing value and avenues to explore in that regard. But as you say, this is an anti-daily amount. And if anything, if I was a Bohemian uh, football club fan, they have done wonders in the society in terms of integrating um, in how they market themselves. And they've been exceptional in that regard. And that's why in terms of our, I suppose, three principles that we're looking at uh, in order to retain Talca Park for the public land for public use, sustainable development of communities, sporting and community potential, they're very interlinked with both stadiums. So in terms of return for, for value for money, there's no reason why both can exist. We don't need to sanitize sporting facilities in Dublin. I mean, North Inner City is the most densely populated uh, land in Ireland. We, we need more recreational facilities. So it's not a case of losing one stadium to build a new one. Both have very historic backgrounds. Talca Park was the first floodlit football match was played in Ireland as well. So it, it, it's a case of there is history there as well. It's been around since 1924. If you consign Talca Park to history, you lose those memories immediately. Um, so they can both work in tandem. So it's not a case of, of trying to get rid of Dalyman Park. It's a case of, of reviewing Dalyman Park. It's already gone up. A lot of time has passed. So let's just take a pause and then review it and see what can be done in order to benefit Irish football. 
Okay, see, I, 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 and like, just any questions I ask here, like, I will stress, like, I, I don't want to see either stadium go. It's my personal opinion. Like, I, I completely endorse that. But obviously, there's what you wouldn't like to happen. And then there's, unfortunately, this sort of real world situation which you, which you, you fear that, like, if you, if there was a daily man plan that was to some degree clear, and if we add more complications to it, are we in danger of ending up? With, with nothing done, or are we in danger of ending up with two, not great stadiums as opposed to like one modern one? Like it's 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 a it's a delicate balancing act here because I think it's very hard to disagree with what you're saying. But when we're in a Dublin that's talking about spending X amount in a whitewater rafting facility in the centre of town, and there's you know a big debate over facilities and everything in the city generally, like. How realistic is it that you can actually see people coming together and being able to deliver that vision to an acceptable standard, other than just ending up with like just unfortunately just two crappy stadiums that don't really, you know, a slightly improved version of both, but that doesn't really doesn't really deliver an actual modern fit for purpose stadium. Well, I think that's why we need a review process and, and to look at it. I mean, our costings available in our proposal are done by industry experts. And listen, I've been on the pod before. I'm a sports broadcaster. I'm not a quantity surveyor. So we have reached yeah, out to experts in terms of, of getting in actual costings. And our costings are, are readily available in the proposal. And they come in at about... Uh, around 10 to 30 million we take in uh 50% contingency as well but then you look at other stadiums around Ireland so you've Glentoran I love the oval personally that's Same around as. 12 12 12 million Loud GEA around 12 million Sligo 17 million take away three because they have an academy system uh, next door uh, as well so you look at the cost at the, that they are able to do that in and then you look at what daily amount is at can I can I just come moment. in on that, Shane? I, I, I cannot get my head around a six thousand seater stadium and obviously a lot more with it for thirty-six million quid. Like where where six thousand seater, which I think it's in itself is disappointing. How is it costing thirty-six million? Is it to do with I don't is it to do with I mean we're talking about new builds in some other places. Is it, is it to do with the and I'm no expert, we're three people who are not quantity surveyors here talking about this, but I'm trying to play a devil's advocate to some degree. Is it any way to do with the complications? of the, the the location of the stadium and the amount of work that might involve because you have the you know it's it's surrounded by the shopping center and all that goes with it. I don't know. Is I mean, is that part of the reason? That's that I'm just trying to throw it out there. I mean it does seem unbelievably expensive in that context. Yeah, like listen, possibly, but also on the flip side of that, because there's a lot of development around the area, you can source funding from development levies as well. So you know it, it kind of works in both ways. But in terms of <clears throat> you you know the concern that neither stadium could happen and, and it could diminish the, the future of Irish football. I mean, listen, North East Dublin is, you know, is the hotbed of, of Irish football talent. Liam Brady, John Giles, Eamon Dunphy are kind of all from in and around that area, kind of the old school guard. And then even more recent internationals, I'm thinking off the top of my head, uh, Keith Andrews, Robbie Brady, so on and so forth. We need to, and, and then of course, Troy Parrish. Troy Parrish, yeah, Troy Parrish, Graham Burke and so on, Jack Byrne. So we need to, to you know, ensure that that talent is able to continue and we need as, as many recreational facilities uh, as possible and Stephen Kenny at the moment with the national team is going through a transition period he's blooding through new players and he's, he's a bit of a visionary which is great to see but we need to continue that and also I think it has to be stated 
Currently, the Irish women's national team are over in Reykjavik training. Jamie Finn, Jessica Zhu, Kira Grant's back in the team, Saoirse Noonan. There's Ireland internationals in the Shelburne's women's team. And Shelburne now have this one-club ethos. They've taken women's and ladies' uh, name away from the club. They both play out of Talca Park. Bohemian football club women's team play up in the Oscar Trainer. If we were to go with the current plans of Dalymount Park, that's going to fit two senior men's team. So what happens to the women's team that houses Ireland internationals and the progression that's been made with women's football in Dublin in recent times? They're going to be left to play in the Oscar trainer and the AUL. With due respect, I played there as an underage uh, NDSL Brentford player. No shame in saying that. And I thought it was, you know, the new camp or the Stadio Olimpico when I was that age. But they're not fit for purpose for elite level football. So we need to take that into. We can't just pay lip service to actual equipment. We want equality for football. And the Unity Stadium in Talca Park, in terms of our proposal, what that sets out, it houses more community uh, facilities than currently envisaged in, in Dalymount Park. I think it's 1,000 metres squared plus 250 metres squared in Dalymount, and ours comes in around 1,400 metres squared. So you can benefit the community in terms of having an enterprise, cafe, coffee trucks, coffee mornings for the elderly, whatever you want. Uh, can can be fitted in there and it can you know you can have an anchor tenant and you can also then with a hybrid pitch in terms of housing women's football of all ages and local teams as well we've reached out Drumcondra former tenants in Talca Park have given us an official letter of support we've had very positive uh, conversations with Home Farm Marino Football Club we're currently in discussions with the likes of Artane Bowman Sheriff uh, Belvo as well so it is a case of looking at what the pitch can do to the area there's more playing facilities I mean when I was playing for Marino I know I was talking about playing in the field that's now been rezoned for housing I was training on a hockey pitch now listen I know Marino isn't prestigious I was never going to make it as a professional footballer but I would like to play in a football pitch when now we are giving the opportunity through this proposal that young people in the area both boys and girls can avail of this stadium this municipal community stadium to develop football continue with sport and ultimately benefit society in the area as opposed to getting in congestion and pollution mm. with private development there. Yeah, listen, I, I have to say, having moved to the area recently, recently, like it is you know, criminally under-resourced in that area in terms of, and you don't, you don't need to walk or drive too far around the place to get a handle on that. But in terms of this campaign then, what type of momentum are you getting? Because, and, and listen, I hate that every question I keep asking is going back to Dalymount because I'm not trying to pit one against the other, but part of me is so cynical towards funding in Irish football and how slow it is that part of me struggles to believe that that funding could be generated for two stadiums in one area just because of things happen, like how things happen in this country and how long it takes to get things done. Like, you know, the Dalymount project has taken so bloody long. Like, whatever your view of it, and there are very reasons behind that. Now, in terms of, say, politically, because obviously this is the this is where you need to make inroads. Like, you have a situation where the Department of Finance have committed some money to the Dalymount project in the last year. There was some UEFA money has gone towards it from that, Euro's legacy thing. And clearly you see the FAI coming in behind some of that stuff in terms of the press release and statements. So it does seem like the ball is rolling with that one. How are you faring in terms of um, doing what you need to do ultimately? And, and that's play the game a bit here and get, get a bit of political support. How is that going for you, that aspect of it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's really important to state that this is a campaign to try and encourage uh, Dublin City Councillors to, to vote to stop the rezoning of the land. Basically, this isn't a campaign to attack Shelburne Football Club or attack Bohemian Football Club or attack the League of Ireland in any way, shape or form. So what we envisage in terms of political sport, well, for instance, again, depending on, on when you listen to this uh, podcast, if you look at the Irish Independent, Tony McCullough has an article there and Gary Gannon has come out uh, and and 
you know, stated support for the movement in terms of why two football stadiums should exist because they are both historic entities, as I said, um, and, and have special memories and we don't want to just get rid of them. So we've reached out and we've met with other political parties um, and that's an ongoing process because we've had, I suppose, exploratory talks over the past few weeks. At the same time, we're trying to put together a 36 page uh, proposal booklet to, to outline our, our plan. And, and I feel we have done that very professionally and, and, you know, big thanks to so many people in the background who've worked hard on that. But again, I suppose I, I go back to, it's a bit of an awkward one on the podcast when you're going to listen, but we're only launching. I mean, in terms of an official campaign, this is yeah. kind of, of day one and we will try and then reach out and continue to build those relationships and discussions but for, for the most part we, we've engaged we've had positive uh, discussions and it's a case of then I suppose tabling motions in the council and the central committee and so on and so forth and setting out a plan of action in that regard but I think at the moment it's important to just get our voice out there and be heard that this isn't anti anything this is pro community pro football uh, and, and pro people and, and that's entirely what we want to, to be beneficial of really and that's what we want to benefit so we will sit down and have more uh, discussions with public representatives as I mentioned Gary Gannon has come out and, and we're very grateful for that in, in terms of the, the quote in the Irish Independent article um, on it and listen there could be more again you know in terms of when this goes to, to air and when you listen to it um, there could be more kind of quotes out, out in the public domain then, uh, then really so it is a case of <clears throat> we want Dalyman Park to be refurbished. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I really enjoy going to Dalyman Park, be it as a fan or, or uh, indeed in working capacity back in the, the old air sport uh, days, I suppose. But how much of so this, Shane, is, is that Shelburne, you know, fans <clears throat> are afraid that they, their club will lose what it is, what it was if you move to Dalyman. Shelburne will never be Shelburne at Dalyman Park. Yeah, and I think that's a big credit to what Bohemian Football Club have done in Fisborough, in the local area, in terms of creating that that social uh, connection and everything. And that's something that we want to do and embed ourselves in the community. I mean, on top of the political side of things, we've reached out to local businesses as well. And there's been an outpour of support from local businesses. Mm. Um, and in terms, we, we hope to release a document on that in the coming days as well. So there is an appetite. Uh, for people in the area to support Talca Park. And there is an appetite from residents uh, in the area to support a community facility, not just Talca Park in its current uh, situation. And yes, there is a, an identity there. I mean, absolutely, personally speaking, I mean, some of the best memories I have as a human come from Talca Park. Mm. And that's not necessarily from the footballing side of things. That's from creating bonds and friendships There's, you know, throughout Talca Park. There's a, it's a special place and it may just look like a bit of a, a derelict building at the moment but it's not I mean this isn't a case of, of knocking down just a, a car park or, or you know an empty lot or, or you know a derelict building this is a special place with many many special memories for for so many people and so many different families and that is something that I really genuinely hope and I'm very passionate about that can be continued for for future generations because it's not just the footballing side of things some of the best friends I have come from Talca Park and so many others are like that and it's ensuring that that social aspect is, is kept for, for generations to come as well. well. I have to say, I'm looking forward to, uh, to hearing more about this. I think it'll generate a fair bit of debate, Shane. You've got a, a David Ball, for those I love, I think is going to be one of your... Very impressive uh, people on board, actually, Dan. Oh, I, I tell you, like, his performance on Jules uh, Holland, Holland, I mean, it's, it's, it's powerful stuff. It really is. And uh, I think even as a spokes... Take, let's take the shells and the bows and take everything out of this, right? As a spokesperson, just for like what a football club can stand for and what it can mean, and that attachment, no matter who you are or where you're from, like I think he's been a really, uh, really, really impressive speaker, and is obviously a real deep personal story with his uh, his late friend, and that's obviously a big part of that. But 
But anyway, listen, Shane, it's been great having you on. Um, I think that this debate will continue. I'm, I'm sure it'll generate a fair bit of discussion. I know, as you said, you're only launching. So, um, yeah, let's see where this one goes. And uh, hopefully we might talk to you again in the future if there's a further evolution and how this all pans out, Shane. But it's been great to catch up with you. Absolutely. No, absolute pleasure as always, lads. I'm always free for a phone call. Sure, I won't be busy now with Air Sports anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're not doing too bad, I think. Thanks, Vivian. Yeah, Dan, I, I obviously have mentioned before, my first year in college, I lived on Richmond Road, opposite Talca Park. Um, I dare say the ground hasn't changed much since then, which is like 20-odd years ago. They brought in that stand behind the goal, which I think isn't even in use anymore, which is mad. But I, I honestly, like, okay, I, as we said, I'm not um, I'm not a quantity surveyor. I can't get the... My, I'm disappointed for one thing that daily amount capacity is so low. Um, I can't get my head around how expensive it is. And I, I actually do have, I'd, I'd be sad if Talca Park went um, for level, for reasons more than just, you know, naked nostalgia and like, oh, wouldn't that be awful? And, you know, thinking back of the past, because as you say, that area, it's not exactly laden with, um, you know, loads of green spaces and Talca could be um, redeveloped into quite a nice ground. And uh, to be honest, if I were a Shells fan, I wouldn't want, I, I would want to move to Daily Mount anyway. No, Alice, I completely understand those views. I'm not being sceptical, but I keep referring to, like, you know, the, the, the Daily Mount aspect of it. I mean, mm. like, I've said, like, I, I said, I, I, Talca is now the, the ground closest to me where I mm. live. And, you know, I, 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 I say I drove down the Grace Park Road there. Uh, it, was, it, it was a recent Friday because actually I was going across to Pats, but I think Shells were playing that night. And I was just driving down the bottom of the road and the, 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 the gates at the bottom were open. So you could actually just like mm. see into like, there's a football stadium with seats. I was just thinking like, if you were a tourist going through or whatever, you'd be like, wow, there's a football stadium mm. there. I was looking at going, God, isn't it just great to have like a football stadium this close? But obviously An area it's a football like that. stadium that's, well, that's fallen into disrepair. Mm. I'm just saying, my only fear is that this becomes a thing where you end up, we end up with nothing. <laughs> here mm. you know and I still think like I, I assume that the cost of data event as well there is obviously there is community aspects to the project there in terms of I think of a museum and various amenities and stuff and like I, I don't understand like how these pricings and where these costumes come from and so I don't want us to bluff on that yeah um, but what I would say is that data event is also like the spiritual home of, of Irish football like going back years and it's very very important that that project proceeds um, but and I and I'm wary of anything that could potentially lead to a situation where that just gets sort of um, uh, you know filibustered, if you know what I mean. It yeah, gets delayed. Yeah. It just gets held up. Um, but in saying that, how could you how could you be a, a fan of any team, you know, of any description, and not empathise with what the Shell supporters are feeling? You know, um, like, like, and, and, and this, this is a broader problem in Irish sport. Like, I think if we were starting from scratch, and I say this so often in Irish football, I think the concept of municipal stadiums and sharing facilities shouldn't be a taboo thing, really, in this country. But obviously it is, because we have an obsession of owning our own land, and everyone has their mm. own pitch, and every GA club has their own facility. And it's very much a thing that we have, you know, we have this thing that everyone needs their own home. And I un understand where it comes from. Um, but obviously in other countries, they're not burdened by that for whatever reason, and they just concentrate their resources into it. But clearly, you know, if you have one stadium that's so synonymous with one particular club, and I think Shane makes a very good point, that the work that Bowes have done in recent years to make themselves so relevant to Fibsburg again, you know, probably makes it more intimidating from a Shell's perspective to even think about going yeah. there. Whereas even the, the, the Bowes of 10 years ago, who really weren't engaged with their community, 
I think shells might have found it easier to uh, to establish themselves there. Uh, I'm I'm just a little bit worried that you know that 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 the consequence of this when the public purse you know towards football can be stingy at times that it ends up being damaging to to both causes. And I hope yeah. that that's not the case. But I broadly, I'm very supportive of the idea and the concept, and I would love both stadiums to still be there with us 10 years modern. Um, but but I, I, I envisaged some difficulty with this um, in terms of um, plotting a clear path. And I have seen some of the Shell's proposals, and they're very good and they're very worthy. And they're very um, impressive people, actually, in general. We need, no, they are. They are, but they need... They, they are. They certainly are. But, like... They need a really diff- different political landscape to develop mm. to maybe make it. And I really hope that that landscape uh, delivers. But we're obviously seeing Dublin City Council at the moment. There's a lot of other things going on. And I just, mm. I'm not sure if I have full faith in them committing on more than one stadium project, particularly when Daily Event 1 was so closely linked with the Talca funds, you know. So we'll see. We'll see. But I mean, um, you know, the idea of saving Talca is one I totally endorse. Um Favourite night in Talking Park, actually? Well, that ties in with our four-star pizza question this week, actually. Didn't know that. It is almost like we planned it, which we most certainly did not. Uh, Alison, my favourite night in Talking Park. Uh, listen, I'm sure there's smaller personal ones that I could probably recall, but really, I don't think anyone, anything will ever compare with the buzz of shells beating Hydrox split yeah. 2 and the feeling around the stadium that night. I remember, I was a very young journalist at the time, but I was working at the game been up behind the, the goal actually in the newsstand as it was called the ironically titled newsstand as a lot of them are in Ireland um, it's, you know it's fallen apart uh, but like the the, um, the the press was being done up there and there's a real sense that this was the start of something you know a bit like after the dog battle it was a sense this is the start of something and of course fortunately it isn't always the start of something but it was still um, a, a, a mad night a great night a special night and obviously Dave Rogers who, who scored the first goal against Hydruck uh, we might talk about uh, him being yeah. with the dog job later on. But the four-star pizza question this week is, Shelburne beat Hydrox split 2-0 that night um, to progress to the Champions League final qualifier against Deportivo La Coruña. And as I said, Dave Rogers scored the first goal. Who scored the second goal? Ah. You can text us, text us your answer uh, to at LOI Central Pod on Twitter or hashtag LOI Central. Yeah, yeah. second goal scorer um, against, uh, against Hydrox. Apparently, um, Vinny Curry was saying that they tried to get, I think, his father-in-law to win the pizza last week. But just to show that we're not favorite favorable towards anyone, it was an open draw, and he didn't win it. So, like friends of the show are, you know, they're just entering in with abandoned because they want to get this free pizza. Yeah, but but we don't we do not know Pat Mitchell. I'm sure we'd no. like to meet him, but we we do not know Pat Mitchell. So the integrity of the pizza co- contest was live for at least one week. Was Pat Mitchell the old blondie one in EastEnders, or am I thinking of someone else? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think mm. so. Yeah, With I think, a husky I think Derek, kind of a smoke, I think, smoky I think voice. Derek, I think Derek made that point in the clip. I mean, mm. yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was. I mean, do you have any follow-up comments to add on that? You know, I'm sure it's I mean, been referenced to Pat, like the pizza winner. That oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Listen, as someone who's been who's heard Daniel O'Donnell jokes for my entire life, God. I sort of sympathise with Pat Mitchell having someone making that quip. Like you have your moment winning the pizza, and then, and then this is exactly what you do. Like I mean, you just you, you can't. 
can't get away from that. My my favorite Talca moment would have to be Galway beating them in the playoff. I think we were actually Galway FC at the time. But like Dan, it, it is an amazing atmosphere in that ground, even when it's not necessarily full. It's just those old stands and that. I think I wasn't at the Hydra Split game. I was at the Bose Aberdeen game. That was a great night as well. To be oh fair. yeah, but it's bloody yeah. I remember even the Shells Rosenberg games and the mm. Shells. There was a Shells Rosenberg game. Was that maybe the? I think what year would that have been? Was that the late nineties? Or early 2000. No, it would have been early 2000, mm. surely. I don't know. The one where, where they, they, they were competitive. And actually, the Jesus, the, the Pat Celtic game. That was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which was horrible, really, because it yeah. was full of Celtic fans. Yeah. Golden, uh, golden Pats, really. Um, I, I, I've never had any love for Celtic. Or actually, sorry, I did when I was younger. I always was cheering for them, but not really again after that night, I have to say. Um, but that's it. But like, I mean, it's just a bloody typical Irish football story that like shell that that stadium represented modernity actually at that stage mm. you know and 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 listen it's a shell story ultimately and you know chasing the dream and everything that went wrong and, and there's other you know factors but like you know we always talk about you know that was probably you know really modern of the era in the yeah. 90s and it just and it always just gets like it falls into ruin you know, I used and to go in. We're always uh, we're just we're just we're just going around like it's like we're rustling around in our pockets after a night out sometimes to figure out what we've done. Like, you know, I, loose change and you know, I don't know, like taxi dockets and all this. And it's like, what 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 happened? How did we let this happen? You know, and, mm. and I used to go in, in the in the in the college days. I think the point was something like two pounds thirty. And there was always a nice atmosphere in the bar, even midweek. It was just like the bar was always open. So you went in, Fintan Cassidy, talky characters like that, um, who basically are still heavily involved in chills as far as you know. So that's gone back a long time. I know we all have like personal memories of grounds going back, but Talk Park will always be very special to me. I remember like I was looking the um I was looking up the list of potential places to live in these like that were relatively close to DCU. I think the college gave you a list of here's some accommodation that might suit. And like I went for the cheapest option and I lived in this dingy spot. But she she answered the phone, the landlady, and she said, Do you know where Talca Park is? And that was it. And I lived opposite Talca Park. And um I'm sure Ollie would have I'm sure Ollie would have taken you in under the stand for even a cheaper deal. Because yeah, I got to know Ollie as well. Yeah, we used to have oh. the old banter. Like it as Ollie, much, again, what a was, character. Ollie what was, a character. I, I, my early my early days in journalism, like you know, and, and particularly once I started working for the Indo, like all of a sudden Ollie just comes onto your on radar. radar, you know, mm. like I mean, miss calls at sort of seven in the morning, like and yeah, you know, mm. you with me, you and like you know the I can't remember obviously the two thousand and six season. There was the shells, dairy, and there wasn't there wasn't there a Dublin City thing, and there was a there was a various I don't know there was a, some kind of you know suspension administration general sort of shenanigans and rows, and that, that's obviously where Ollie came into his own. Mm. You know the phone calls you would have with him, but but obviously then very poignant like. You know, um, in in following year, going back to the first game against Kildare County, and Ollie was obviously unwell, and and just like how how he went from sort of this sort of force of nature to someone who was diminished very quickly, and it's it's, mm. it's so sad even even to think about it. And obviously, this and he he had his flaws. There's no denying that. I mean, mm. and you know, you can't you can't rewrite history, but I mean, he was a, an unbelievable force of nature, and. Like sometimes League of Ireland clubs need an individual like that to, to function, and the highs were highs. Like I was, I went to Lithuania in two thousand and six with with shells, and um, I would talk about this sometimes with one or two of the other journalists who went because it was actually during the World Cup in Germany, and uh, 
I would have been Shell's last European trip under Ollie, and mm. Tommy Allen would have been there too, another sort of a, a, an eccentric figure uh, who would have been around the Dublin clubs and just been in this hotel bar in Vilnius, and it was like Ollie and, and Tommy Allen and a few other characters, and he, he came and he spun us some story about Shells had these investors that were coming in to take over, and we all ran off with this back page story, but felt like that story was written a million times, you know, in that mm. period. There was always it was always about getting to, you know, getting to the next week or the next month. And mm. and there was even like just, you know, there was I think there was a skepticism about leaving the staying too far away from the hotel because I think he was thinking people might try and screw them over in some way. And there was always mm. some weird sort of Ollie Angle going on there. But I am like really grateful I got to spend some time around them but and but like a, a fraction, a portion of like you know like a, a tiny percentile of what a lot of you know people you know who who would have been on the beat a lot longer would have experienced particularly i can imagine around marnie gate and all that stuff you know where he was the biggest show in town um, and but- he would be he would be at an opposition game and ollie burn you're a wanker you're a wanker i've never seen a man who's called a wanker smile so much at the thought of it like he just loved the notoriety and he loved it he loved the crack. <laughs> I remember going to I remember like going to Oriel in the in the nineties like and and the dog playing shells. I remember one game I, I probably knew who Ollie Byrne was, but who was that voice there who just kept like that distinctive voice going, Well done, Davy. And the whole time it was Davy Byrne who was playing in midfield <laughs> and the whole game he was just because he was a bit of a sort of a shells lad, you know. Mm. And the whole game was just this voice and you're thinking, Oh, that's that's actually like the chairman over there saying that, you know. Um yeah, yeah, God, what a what a figure. But anyway, um, we shall move on because we've got we do have a happy occasion this week in that we have um we will have people listening to the show this week who are going to games. Mm. Um obviously the, the big event is is Rovers Drada, Shamrock Rovers Drada, the test event that was picked, and again, that would obviously and and, and Cork Cabin TV as well in the first division, um, where you know the two biggest you know stadiums that are most equipped probably to deal with it. Have been selected, but we will obviously at other games you see clubs sending out messages about maybe being able to accommodate 100 fans, and that'll rise to 200 in some cases. Um, so so it's good, but we thought we would get Liam Holton from our sponsors, Future Ticketing On, to maybe just talk a bit about the mechanics around it all. Liam Holton, how are you getting on? I'm very good, very good, Johnny. How are you? Grand, yeah, grand. I, I, as Dan is saying there, it's it's brilliant to see people um, on the cusp of coming back to football games. And obviously in Hungary last night, as much as the crowd weren't exactly uh, the most likable, it was just great to see an atmosphere at a game. But uh, before we get to that, I just want to thank you for, for the sponsorship this season. But, you know, when, when we were talking about this before the season, your uh, relationship with the League of Ireland actually has become quite profound, really. And Future Ticketing is in, his, what have you now, 13 League of Ireland clubs thereabouts in your books? Yeah, that's right. At the moment, uh, apart from Finn Harps, who are hopefully going to be joining us soon. Um, yeah, we started out with one club. We started out with Bray a few years ago, and luckily, uh, word spread. And yeah, we now we now manage the the ticketing software for all the Premier League clubs, plus um, Galway, Bray, um, Shelburne, and a few, few other clubs in the in uh, the first division. So it's gone really well, um, and you know we're we're passionate about our football. We love our football, and we love working with the League of Ireland clubs. And as you know, Johnny, nobody gets rich on uh, League of Ireland uh, and working with League of Ireland. So, but uh, what we get is you know we get the 
the, the buzz of working with the clubs. We get the buzz of working with real genuine uh, football people and real genuine volunteers who are, who are, you know, doing the very best for football in Ireland. And uh, where it's been beneficial to us from a commercial point of view is it's given us a model to go into the UK with, um, and we've expanded into the UK. We've over 30 clubs in the UK at this stage, and it's going, going really well, which considering only three years ago, we were starting out in football. Yeah, so Liam, I mean, I think I, I might even said Rovers draw on Friday earlier, but it's obviously Shamrock Rovers and, and Finn Harps on Friday. Um, and it's interesting, you you are involved in this, um, like Rovers are one of the clubs that you're partnering with. So you've been helping them with this, uh, what we have is this test event, as it's been called, this pilot game on Friday. We're going to have a thousand people at the game against Finn Harps. Can you maybe just explain like how, how you've actually been involved in that? Because obviously there's obviously people listening to this who are going to the game, I would think, or maybe fans mm. of other clubs who are who are dying for their chance to come and maybe don't know how it's going to operate, you know, on match night. So you've been involved in that. So maybe if you could let us know what that entails. Yeah, I suppose, I, I suppose, firstly, unfortunately, it looks like the Irish football fans will be the last ones in, in Europe uh, to get back to matches. Um, mm. And obviously, League of Ireland fans are particularly loyal and... Um, you know, it's extraordinary the loyalty that they've shown uh, in terms of buying memberships and in terms of continuing to contribute to their clubs uh, months, and they deserve great credit for that. But in terms of the specific match on uh, on Friday, what we do is we provide the software um, that enables um, the fans to purchase their ticket in a safe, uh, compliant environment. We use a very similar model to what we've used uh, across the, the, the UK for these type of events. So uh, the first tier in Shamrock Rovers are the members. I think there's 550 of those. They're, they they can go in and they can claim their tickets and they'll get it. They can claim from a socially distanced seating plan um, and they can uh, claim in bubbles of up to three. Um, and then the second tier for Shamrock Rovers are season ticket holders that they're divided into two categories. The first category are, um, I think they've done it maybe alphabet. Mm. I think 400 season ticket holders uh, will be allowed to um, uh, claim their ticket um, for this match and the other uh, another 400 will be allowed to claim their ticket for the draw of the match. Um, on the ticket, it, it, it will have um, a turnstile you have to go to, it will have a time of arrival um, and it will have your, your allocated seats. So, and when you arrive, your ticket will be scanned, it'll be verified, and uh, you bring ID with you, and you'll bring your um, your COVID form with you, and you'll be allowed into the stadium, and you'll be sitting in, you know, the safest possible environment, um, and there'll be loads of heads there from the HSC and the FAI and all the various organisations making sure that everybody's very, very compliant. And mm. uh, great credit to Shamrock Rovers; they put their hands up uh, to do this event. Um, and, you know, they've done a tremendous job so far. So, so Liam, when we get to August, I mean, we are building towards, well, listen, we, we everyone here hopes that this all happens sooner than, than you know, than, than the current roadmap that's there, like, you know. Um, but obviously, you, 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 there's obviously complexities of different grounds in the league, and we are working towards August where it might be 25% capacity in some places. Is it going to be more difficult to manage a plan with, say, I don't know, I can think of grounds where there's a lot of terrace or, you know, where there's limited seating or, the, you know, the entry and exits aren't as maybe great as they, they would be in Tala. Like, is there a bit of thinking that has to go into some of that stuff? 
Yeah, yeah, there, there, there is. There's a little bit of planning, but I mean, again, our software allows for allocated seating plans, allows for terrace plans, it allows for social distancing. Um, I mean, we have an event in Wigan next weekend for nine thousand people. Again, all social, all social distance. So, um, to be honest, I think the opening up will happen quicker than anybody realised uh, mm. realises or expects in Ireland. Uh, we already see in the north, um, you know, every, everything is open, and I think Ireland has has lagged behind on just about everything we've done in terms of our COVID response. Um, so I, I think eventually, um, and football have, and sport has suffered more than most, but I think eventually the momentum will come. People will see full grounds, as I saw last night in Hungary, they'll see full grounds at, at the Euro and um, government will just have to catch up. Um, I think um, obviously from a fan's point of view, um, the first people who will be allocated tickets and allowed back will obviously be members. So you'd encourage everybody to get their membership, support their club, um, and they will, they, will, they will be the first that all clubs will allocate uh, their tickets to. Um, already we see, um, I think Bowes will have 200 today. I think or we'll have 200 this weekend, mm. and a lot of the clubs will have, will have uh, 200 fans um, this weekend. So that, that's the start of it. Um, I think we're not that far away from it. So it's just really important that these test events go well, because as you say, they will be scrutinised quite heavily. You know, mm. they, like there are going to be a lot of eyes on them. And I kind of wonder in a way, like it's it's almost like the congregating around the ground and stuff and all that that's going to be scrutinised as well in, in some respects. But you sort of feel that if we can get these couple of events right and safe, that, that the scope is there to, to maybe up things, even... You know that it doesn't become a thousand at Tala in a month. You know, in in, in a month's time, you can you can you can sort of creep that up potentially. Yeah, I think so, and I think uh, these events will run smoothly. Um, we've we've we run dozens of these events across the UK. Um, one of the things we did find was exiting um, and people congregating after the match can sometimes be a little bit of an issue. So whereas uh, everybody's very compliant on the way in, mm. sometimes after the match, uh, yeah. um, you know, people are, are in a slightly different frame of mind. So that's the one thing we would we would flag um, is, you know, that, that people you know, obey the rules when they're when, when they're leaving as much as when they're uh, when they're when they're coming in. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, so, you know, Software is powerful. It, it, it allows you to um, to monitor everything that goes on. Um, so we don't feel there will be any particular issues at these events. We haven't seen them at other events. Um, we haven't seen them at you know um, events internationally. Um, we during lockdown we studied a lot of what happened in Asia and how they manage these type of events, and that allowed us to upgrade some elements of our software in terms of things like the, the, the social distancing algorithms and things like that. And, um, and yeah, it works. Technology works. Technology mm. uh, can solve a lot of this. Um, so I think um, once fans, you know, initially, obviously as season ticket holders, um, I think, you know, I'd urge any fan to go out and buy your membership. Um, so that'll, that'll allow you to be a priority customer getting in. Yeah, and I guess like what you're saying to the clubs that you're associated with is when this, if and when this kind of, um, you know, is 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 uh, being rolled out over the next month or two or whatever, we are here to help in the sense of how to actually get people into the ground um, using technology, really. 
yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, uh, from our point of view, we're yeah, we're, we're we're there to help. We're there to offer advice. Apart from the technology, we're, all, we're you know we have the experience and we have the, the the guidelines from other events and we have we have the knowledge that you you can only learn by doing. Um, mm. So uh, so yeah, with, with with the clubs, we'd be working closely with them over a, over a period of time now um, as the momentum comes back in terms of getting crowds back. And um, like we've already um, been talking to you know the likes of Longford are going to put two hundred people in uh, this weekend. I think I think both are doing the same. I think um, Galway have a plan mm. to bring some fans back this weekend as well. So um, so yeah, it's it's starting to happen, and um, I think it'll happen more quickly than people. Would have expected just just before we go as well i i we actually know each other from a racing background and you're one of these many people in ireland who's basically from an area that isn't really represented by a league of ireland club you're from the midlands or whatever but you did um we're very insecure in irish football love to be told that we're actually great but you were saying to me i remember at the start of the season that you actually did like you did a lot of time for what a lot of league of ireland clubs were doing and this is from the from the from the outside looking in because you don't come from a league of ireland background no, no, uh, but um, but I come from a football background. Like my, mm. my kids all, all all play football. Uh, one of them is with uh, Kevin. The other guy is with uh, uh, with Boz and my girl is with the local club here. And um, you know the, the level of volunteerism and commitment that you see across the League of Ireland is is incredible. And you know people giving of their time voluntarily. Um, there's no glamour to it, um, but there is a passion. There is um, there is a um, a level of commitment to young people. I'm uh, I'm lucky, both my kids are involved with Clevens and Bohemians and mm. some of the lads there. The, the time, the energy, the level of professionalism that you wouldn't see in, in English academies amongst some of the coaching staff in Clevens and Bohemians um, mm. is, is, is incredible. And um, these are all volunteers. These are people doing it, uh, doing it um, for the good of other people's kids. Um, mm. And we're really, really lucky in Ireland to have that. Um, these people don't do it out of self-interest. We work with plenty of clubs in Scotland and England, and there's highly paid professionals doing the job that volunteers are doing here in Ireland. Um, and yeah, uh, a lot of you know decent Irish football people haven't been best served by government and by uh, official organisations, but it hasn't stopped the level of commitment and the and the passion and the dedication um, that I see from these people. And just finally then, the future ticketing, how have you come through the pandemic? Because just, I suppose, to explain to people, future ticketing makes its money from getting a a small portion or whatever of the ticket sale. So clearly there'd be no tickets sold since, what, March of last year. So how have you survived? And how I know know you've kind of been linking up with clubs in Scotland even in that time, but how how will you come out of the pandemic when no tickets were sold? Yeah, it's not a great business model at the moment, no. Johnny. I'm afraid in terms no. of uh, of making our revenue. But but um, you know we have a great team in future ticketing. Um, we worked hard on uh, on upgrading the technology and on building our, our relationship with other clubs. We've signed up this week alone. We signed up uh, Oldham and Wigan as uh, new clubs joining the roster. Um, you know the digital transformation. I think going forward all tickets will be digital and mm. that's obviously beneficial to the future ticketing business model um but yeah we've come out really well we're, we're hiring uh for more good people at the moment um some in ireland but mostly mostly in the uk um yeah and we're, we're really looking forward to getting back and we're looking forward to supporting all our clubs as best we can as well and and helping them through this and i think in general 
the future for Irish football is really, really strong. Um, the quality of Irish players, especially younger Irish mm. players coming through, is really, really strong. I think, um, like when I started in football three or four, in Irish football three or four years ago, you didn't expect to see sellouts. Um, you know, um, most days now, I think uh, Bows sell out, uh, Pats are starting to sell out. Um, Rovers are not far off selling out, you know. Mm. So there is a there is a drive and there is a passion uh, for Irish football. So, um, like from our from our point of view, we are seeing we are, we are seeing good growth. And I think once fans are allowed, they'll really start to enjoy their football again. And that's that's obviously good for our business model as well. So very optimistic. Yeah, it's interesting. Oldham and Wigan obviously have been through their, yeah. their, their, their travails in recent years, but the fact that both clubs referenced your sponsorship of LOI Central as central to the decision of actually getting involved was, was interesting as well. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for the advocacy. It was an interesting yeah. press release that we doctored and sent to me. There, actually, yeah. So, some of your best Photoshop work, Johnny. Yeah. Um, but listen, it was, yeah. listen, Liam, it's been it's been great having you on, and I, I actually do believe really that. I think as things open up more, I, I think there's a potential of a real boom in terms of people wanting to go to stuff because people have missed mm. it. So already, you know, how that plays itself out, it might be all of 2022. Like, I mean, 2021 might be still like some some ropey moments, but I think 2022 in particular, I think it could be a great year, hopefully. I think we're all obviously hoping that that would be the case. Yeah. But, uh, hopefully before that too, hopefully the autumn. Like, you know, that's obviously the hope, you know, cup finals and, Games later in the year, hopefully they'll be they'll be proper events, cup semi-finals and big end of season league matches and stuff. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be we'll be close to full for a lot of them. Yeah, no, I think we will. I think we'll see daily mount full very very soon. I think by August, um, I think we'll be seeing full houses across across the league of Ireland. Um, you know, and I think some of the some of the European matches, uh, some of the the, the UF quali- Europa League qualifiers yeah. and uh, Champions League matches, I think we'd see good crowds at those those matches as well. I'd be, I'd be very optimistic that, um, having seen uh, the success of the reopening um, across other countries, mm. I think um, I think it'll happen quite quickly here. Thanks a million for your time, Liam. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks very much to uh, Liam Holton. And um, Dan, since we were last on, obviously the Watford situation in terms of the ownership has, has um, Lee Power has relinquished his control of the club and, and so on and so forth. I'm just seeing Tommy Short has brought out a, seems to have brought out a record, which is available from yeah, the Tommy Short. From the, yeah, for the Stephen Clements Foundation, yeah, and he looks you know, what like is it about League of Ireland players and, and musicians, you know, yeah, arts, you know, like Stu, Stewie Byrne pulled it off. But Tommy Short, he, he actually looks like a genuine, I'm not, not gonna say like a Nathan Carter type figure, but he looks like he, he can certainly pass as a fellow who's bringing out a, a nice song, I'm a Better Man. Um, well, I mean, I think, I think, well, I think there's, I think there's a, a meaning behind the song, so yeah, yeah, because it's for the Stephen Clements Foundation, which is obviously a, a noble cause, but. Oh, that's that's just something I came across there as well. One of the musicians, yeah, oh, Greg, Greg Sloggett is a very talented yes. musician as well, too. Um, what's um, the boy yeah, for no, right. the Longford um, fullback? Very good piano player, isn't he? Paddy Kirk. Yeah. Paddy Kirk, yeah. We had Robbie Doyle back in the day as well, yeah. We had mm. a musician's 11. But um, um, yeah, no, the Waterford, yeah, Lee Power, obviously, as, as listen, it's, it's one of these things, it's almost like we go back to Shells and Ollie Byrne and there was always stories of new investors. At Waterford, there was always stories of new investors coming in, but now actually... You know, Richard Forrest has taken over from Lee Power, so we'll see. And there are some suggestions that Son might be signing as a footballer. Um, but but clearly, 
he was affiliated with Mark Bertram in some shape or form. Yeah. You know, that when Bertram was coming in, there was talk of investment. So that's clearly where the investment and, for Bertram to strengthen the squad in July yeah, will, and will come from. They, the they visit was, Dundalk on... the One of the fixtures Friday, they visit Dundalk. And Dundalk, I mean, well... What's going on at the It's going to be the aforementioned I'm, Dave Rogers getting involved with Jim Magilton. I'm, I'm conscious it's Wednesday morning here, so mm. by the time this goes out, something could have happened. So, um, but but clearly the situation there has been, yeah, that Jim Magilton wants to bring in Dave Rogers as a coach. I think they're probably waiting for the board to sign off on that. But the other dynamic of the whole thing, which has gone on in the background here, is that, um, you know. I think Vinnie Pard is, is tr- very actively trying to get back in there. Um, and he has a personal connection with Bill Holzheiser, the chairman. So this um, is interesting. So so if you know if if there's an announcement, you know, about Magilton and Rogers, well then you know Magilton has got his way. And if maybe if there's an announcement about you know that Vinnie Pard comes into it, then then it's clear that 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 Magilton doesn't have any say really. So mm. that's that's sort of that's that's the dynamic there, um, and it's I mean it's a weird dynamic. I mean, mm. uh, I know I know to a lot of people behind the scenes at the dog who who possibly have left, and you know to maybe you know point out to people. Listen, he's someone looking for work, and he can't begrudge someone doing that. And um, but but clearly, you know, I was trying to say he could possibly be the person to go back in there and and turn things around, but I'm not sure. Um, I, I still think you like, you know, I'd be aware of some players who would obviously have reservations about that. But yeah. of course, you know, at the same time, I don't also think, I don't also think that uh, the Magilton era has sort of won over everybody either. And there has been like, you know, members of staff and people who've, who've departed as well. So it's not a great situation either way. What I would say is, you know, I think, you know, um, like the, the, the dynamic in 2020, it was very much the key relationship of the club was the one between Vinnie Perth and, and Bill Holzheiser. And that's where things went a bit south. I think yeah. rekindling that relationship uh, without a completely different uh, mindset around it. Uh, I mean, I, I just, I just don't, I don't see how that would, would, would really work. Um, but, but then to be honest, you know, with talk of cutbacks and everything, it's very hard to see how anything is going to work smoothly there at the moment. And, you know, I am sort of coming around to the view um, that it really is starting to feel like the end of an era. Um, and, I, and I think that's really sad, to be honest. I think that's, mm. that's, that's really, really sad because it shouldn't have come to this. Um, and, you know, I, I would hope to be wrong, but I, I, don't, I don't see great options um, anywhere here. Um, I mean, the fact that they had a big process about talking about all the applicants and, you know, all the people the great people, and I know there would have been loads of interest in the job, but they don't seem willing to actually hire anyone or don't really seem willing to, to start looking at, you know, budget options. And I think, you know, there's some people basically offering to work for very little or bonuses and stuff. And mm. I don't know, that's not, that shouldn't be the Dundalk way either. Um, but, but there we go. Um, I'm totally sick of talking about it. Really. Yeah. The the other, the other fix this weekend, um, Derry City, we obviously had Rory Higgins on, good reaction to that last week. Um, they, they host Bohemians, two of the real informed teams in the division. Um, Dundalk hosts Waterford. Shamrock Rovers, as we mentioned, Finn Harps, that's on Friday night at 8 o'clock. Longford hosts St. Patrick's Athletic, desperate for points there, obviously. Here's an interesting fact, Dan. The top six scorers in the league 
Two of them play for Drada. And if you go down to the top 10, I think three of them play for Drada. Mark Doyle is the top scorer. Chris Lyons has five. Dane Massey has four goals. And it's Davis admirable, is- but they did have that turkey shoot against the Waterford under-19s. They did. Which is a bit of a stat breaker. There, <laughs> it is, to, to be, be fair. fair. Sligo Rovers. I will host, say that. Yeah, the, 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 the leaders, of course, Sligo Rovers uh, host Drada United. The league leader is Sligo Rovers. But that is a, it's just been a mad season in some respects. People saying that Sligo, that the league was... Everyone's saying, oh, this is, Rovers will run away with it. Rovers will run away with it. But Sligo Rovers are top. And obviously, Shamrock Rovers... Trying to get back to the sort of form they were in without really hitting the heights so far this season, uh, earlier in the season. Bray Wanderers, Shelburne is a massive game in the first division. UCD, Cove, Galway United at Lone Town, back to media officer duties. Wexford, Treaty, Cork City, Cabin Teeley. And it's great to be back, Dan. Yeah, and there'll obviously be crowds at that Cork City game too. It's not just the Shamrock Rovers game this week. Um, although, I mean, the way Cork are going at the moment... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Does everyone want to go? You know, it's obviously yeah. uh, like it's like sort of uh, going to a uh, you know it's, it's it's sort of going to a sort of an anniversary mass out of some kind of duty, you know. Um, and listen, I'm, I'm sure, sure Colin Healy you know, loved maybe, that reference. Maybe, but maybe do you know what? Maybe it'll lift them. You know, Alice, I, I mean, the first division is so mad. I'm like, flippant. I I, it, it, I, I, yeah. I actually think it's bloody awful the Cork City are where they are in the table. Yeah. It's absolute madness. Like you know, um, and like it is. You know, it can be the best club in the country when it's even. So it just shouldn't be. It should not be with a, with a full-time squad down there. But at least the thing about it is with that playoffs structure, who knows, if they get the crowds back in, they might sort of, I don't know, it might just ignite them. Because you even saw with the Hungry Ireland game last night, it's a different game when there's people there. Oh. It's just a complete... The, I, the rhythm I, of the whole thing it, it, is yeah. completely different. So you never know. It could propel Cork. Now, obviously, they're getting a bit of an advantage because not other, you know they're going to have a support that other clubs in Division won't actually yeah, I think, I think it's probably important enough for the league to cork get their house back and all. Yeah, um, so just I think it's interesting. Bravey shells, I haven't seen Bray, they're a good side, but if Shelburne win and win comfortably in, in Bray, you would have to wonder is there much of a title race in the first division? Um, but I hope Shelburne fans enjoyed the Talca Park stuff. Um, I have a lot of sympathy with shells fans that obviously don't want to lose that ground that would have been going at that ground like Shane Dawson since he was a kid. But it's at the same time, I'm conscious that, you know, Bows have uh, the Daily Mount situation um, and that, you know, it would seem to suggest that that's where Shells are going to end up. Interesting times ahead, though, and I'm definitely impressed by the, the, the characters that Shells have gotten, sorry, that the Save Talker Park people have gotten um, in support of the cause. That was episode 13, Dan. It was, and we will be back next week. <laughs>